During the next few days, you're going to hear a lot that Blur provides liquidity for stolen NFTs. Recently, the platform decided to remove the notice that an NFT has been blacklisted by a third party, mainly OpenSea. This decision reopens many age-old debates and even some new ones. In this episode, we're going to dive into the complexities of this decision. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So in case you're not familiar with the whole process, when someone reports an NFT or a wallet as being compromised, OpenSea generally requires that holder to file a police report. And once that goes through, that NFT is not allowed on the platform. So in order for someone to sell them or get some liquidity, they have to go to one of the other marketplaces. And usually you'll find these NFTs at much lower prices than what's being sold on OpenSea because the majority of people are doing their transactions and they're trading on OpenSea. That is the biggest marketplace. No need to really introduce that. As far as what's going on in the Ethereum ecosystem, but the other platforms are much smaller in comparison. However, when someone holds one of those NFTs, it is very hard to unload it and sell it. So a lot of these black hat developers that are figuring out ways to compromise wallets and so forth, that's what they end up doing. It doesn't matter that it might be 90% below market value as far as if it was uncompromised. It doesn't matter as long as they're unloading it, getting some liquidity, getting some funds for it, and then going on to the next hack or the next attack, I should say. But here's the thing. Are those black hat developers really scammers or hackers? So that's one of the debates that we've been having for the longest time, because many of these times, the so-called victims, and I say so-called because that is the debate, whether they are victims or not, it's usually because of human error on their part. Now, the case of someone giving up their seed phrase, let's say thinking that they're speaking to customer service or some other authority for a particular NFT project or might be, that is not as common as it used to be because when we first came into the space, that was common. However, for the most part, pretty much everyone has heard from their NFT communities or podcasts such as this, do not give up your seed phrase under any circumstance. So those people really don't get much sympathy from the NFT community because it's like, you really gave up your seed phrase. You've heard that millions of times. How could someone convince you to do otherwise? But let's just say some sort of website is engineered to make it look like it was a legitimate reason. And for whatever reason, someone falls for it and goes into it. Is that person really a victim? That is one of the debates. And also when it comes to the other much more sophisticated and more common ones is someone clicks a link happens to be a dangerous site or a dangerous application is downloaded on their device. And as a result, in the process of signing some transactions, they end up giving away everything to whoever developed that attack. Now, in both of these cases, you could say, yes, it takes someone with questionable ethics to initiate either one of these attacks. But a lot of people in the NFT community will say, well, that is your fault. You're technically not a victim because you opened up yourself to those attacks. So that has been a debate from day one. So by definition, it's like this really isn't a traditional hack because when we think of, say, a hack, we think of someone using some sort of algorithm or brute force or high sophisticated supercomputer to figure out a password or decrypt something or just do something that would make a great Mission Impossible movie. But generally speaking, this is getting someone to give up the information. And a lot of time this would fall under something like social engineering or phishing. So it's not like a brute force attack or a hack. And therein lies the debate. A lot of people will say because it's unethical, it's still considered a hack. Other people will say, well, this is Web3. They should know better. It's every man for themselves. Therefore, those people are not victims. So that debate always rages on on Twitter spaces. Whichever side of it that you do fall on, there's a lot of ammunition and a lot of heat. 
But then there's the whole idea of, well, where do ethics come from anyways? Is this some sort of universal law that's written on our hearts or in our souls, our beings? Or is this some sort of natural instinct that even the animal kingdom has? Like, where does that come from? There are some people that will say it is a societal construct to keep those in power. It could come from governments. It could come from religion, the community in which they're from, their families. And then other people say, you know, it is non-existent. It really is every man for themselves. And everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And the world is total chaos except for those that put things into power and artificially make some sort of construct. So there's a lot of debates, depending where you're falling on this, depending what your religion is, your background, your culture. There is so much to debate on that particular topic. But when it comes into Web3 now, well, where do these policies come from? Is it a chaotic free-for-all where everyone is just basically doing whatever and like the DGENs or just anything that you can get into and make money from, just get it out quick. Just don't be someone's liquidity. Hot potato, pass it around and don't be the last person holding it. Or does it come from the thought leaders such as Vitalik Buterin and Satoshi's white paper and so forth? Or is this some sort of government thing where, of course, Congress is passing laws in the U.S. and the SEC is trying to regulate things or whichever country or jurisdiction that you're in, your local politicians are trying to figure out how to regulate all this stuff, too. Should it come from the law of the land? So, again, there's a lot of debates go around there. So who is defining what exactly is stolen? Is it the market? If someone's willing to pay for it, then okay, it's all good. Or is it the platforms? Of course, this debate is not going to be settled. We can't even agree on the basic foundations of society. So why would anyone think that we're going to come to a consensus about what Web3 policies should be? But of course, in this case, Blur is the one who's caught in the middle and is going to get all the attention, all the heat's going to come that way because all the volume that's happening over there and people are going to say that they're opening the door for people and encouraging them so much to say to hack and steal and do whatever it is. But trying to have their cake and eat it, what they're actually doing is they're making this flag optional. Because the way the UI actually is, or the user interface, there is actually a little flag displayed on the picture of the NFT that happens to be flagged by OpenSea. So by default, it was on, but now it's going to be off by default, and the user has the option to go into the settings and turn it on. So in essence, they can't really say that they're condoning the selling of potentially stolen NFTs. They're saying it's an individual decision. If someone in the market wants to purchase it, well, that is up to them. However, as a platform, they're not going to necessarily enforce a flag that was put on by OpenSea or any other outside party. But here's a balanced view. So depending which side of it you fall on, I mean, again, there's a lot to go around, a lot to discuss. But even on OpenSea, this was something that was so overreported that they didn't initially even require you to do a police report. You could just flag that while it's being compromised. Basically, you could look on the block explorer and see that a whole bunch of NFTs were flooding out or something strange was happening there, a lot of activity. And as soon as you flagged it, it would be shut down. And then to remove that lock, you might have to submit some sort of proof or some sort of police report or whatever it is. But as far as what's going on right now, it was just so ridiculous that they were having to deal with so many customer complaints and people just being reckless with all their NFTs, not using ledgers. They have their hot wallets. They're clicking all sorts of things. And they were overwhelmed by customer reports saying that this wallet was compromised. So that's when they introduced the whole get a police report business. Because essentially what they're trying to say is if you're willing to go and get the law enforcement involved, then you're basically committing yourself to I don't know if that would be perjury or false report or whatever it would be called because you're getting that the legal system involved. And in theory, when you're signing all of that stuff, you're opening yourself up to prosecution if you're making a false report. But then on the other side of that also, you're going to say that people are being penalized without even being criminals per se. So because let's just say something is listed by the person who, quote unquote, stole or engineered, whatever you want to call it, hacked 
got these NFTs and an innocent buyer comes by, takes their hard earned money that they took from their nine to five job, ends up buying one of these board apes. Maybe they've saved up for months to get this. And then all of a sudden, what they thought was a great deal turns out that this is a stolen NFT that cannot be traded. It cannot be used. And the rest of the community is going to be looking at them as some sort of criminal when they had nothing to do with it. All they did is they thought they saw a great deal on the market and they purchased it and they were excited. So no matter how you look at it, which party you're on, it is a complicated discussion. But I would love to know, what are your thoughts on this? A lot is going on. Please feel free to weigh in. I'd love to hear your opinions at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or look at the contact information in the show notes. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.